Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have today's guest on. She's my personal business coach, um, upcoming, and feminine energy coach as well. So let me introduce her. Her name is Monica Yates. She's a period and human brain expert. She has a strong focus on the subconscious brain, feminine energy, and the impact that they have on your body. She works with science, energy, and the body to help women un- uncover all the answers from the- for themselves because they're born with all the answers that you need. And she helps them step into their feminine energy and let go of this masculine armor that a lot of us carry. Monica's coaching is next level deep work. I can totally attest to that. <laughs> uh, be prepared to cry, scream, and feel like the most whole and complete version of yourself. She'll push you, hug you, and cry with you in ways that not many people can. She might be young, but as her name literally means to advise and counsel, you can be sure that Monica brings incredible value and will transform your period, relationships, sex, femininity, sensuality, self-belief, business, confidence, and mindset. Be prepared to be the most aligned AF version of yourself. So that's an amazing bio. So welcome to the podcast, Monica. Thank you so much for having me, Vivian. I'm really excited to be here and answer all your juicy questions. Yes, I have a list. I've just read some of the things that we're going to cover and you were like, hmm, maybe a little bit too much because I could <laughs> ask you a million and one questions. So we'll see how much we get through today, but we could always do a part two, I'm sure. Yeah. So the first thing that I wanted to ask you is kind of how you got into this world and do you have like a personal health journey and um, getting back into your feminine energy? Okay, I'm going to give the really short versions for the sake of time so we can just get into the deep stuff fast. If anyone wants to listen to that, they can go listen to my podcast. Really short version in terms of periods. I used to have the worst periods of my fucking life. Like, I actually only remembered the other day when I was writing up some stuff, I used to sit on the toilet and just sit there for like an hour and let the blood just like pee out of me. Like, it was like a tap. Um, It was so intense. I had such like low iron all the time because I would just be constantly bleeding. Um, I would have to wear like a super tampon and maternity pads. I bled through mattresses. I bled through sofas. I bled through jeans, walking down the street and like dripping through my jeans. Like I did the whole fucking period thing. Went on the pill as most people do. And the pill fucked my hormones as it does for everybody. Then came off the pill, lost my period for 18 months and during that time, that was when I was like, okay, something is up here. Um, and so then long story short, I eventually got my period back and it was all, I think majority of it was through like energy stuff and connecting to my feminine. And I had done an episode on this as well. I do believe that my boyfriend at the time had a very big role to play in it because he was super into the feminine and masculine. And he kind of like forced me in like a, in, a, in like a, 
healthy way uh, into the feminine. And, um, and uh, like, obviously all the pheromones, the serotonin, the dopamine, the oxytocin that like encouraged my body to get my cycle back. Um, so then I got my period back. And at this point in time, I was like talking about it a lot on my Instagram. And I, I think I maybe had finished my life coaching certification or was just about to, I can't remember. Um, I think I finished it. And then I had a really bad ski accident that put me in hospital for a while and I couldn't walk for three months like I was in a wheelchair. So then I um, lost my period again and then it was gone for, I think, another three or four months. And then I got it back again and it's been back ever since. Um, so during that time, I really dived into all of the period stuff and that led me down the track of all the feminine stuff. Then for my own journey, and then I realized with a lot of my clients how the, the, your relationship to your feminine energy and your belief around the feminine directly correlates with your period, whether it's showing up, not showing up, any hormonal issues. And then through my work, I just continue to be proven that a lot of the um, period stuff, if you've covered all the bases of like done the supplements, you've done the nutrition, you're eating a perfect diet, you're not over-exercising, you've managed your stress and your period is either like MIA or fucking bonkers, it's an energy thing. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. Amazing. And I totally agree with that. And I think a good place to start off with would be what are the feminine and masculine traits? Because I think people know that we, we both have estrogen and testosterone in terms of hormones. So do we both have feminine and masculine traits? And how do we know if they're like good or if we're kind of overdoing it with the masculine? Okay. Cool. So with feminine, so we all have feminine and masculine. 90% of women have a feminine core. And what that means is that they will, the majority of them will be feminine. So they'll have about 80% of their qualities being feminine, 20% of their qualities being masculine. Sometimes I see the thing thrown around and it's 50-50 and it's not 50-50. Like it shouldn't be 50-50. If you look at the yin and yang symbol, the black and white, like twisty thingy, I can't remember the exact name for it. Um, the, you know, if you look at either of the sides, there is a dot of the opposite color there's not half of it as the opposite color. So only a small proportion of you is say, as a woman, only a small proportion of me is masculine. And those masculine qualities are my direction, my focus, my determination, um, my discipline, my ability to, um, you know, when I need to kind of um, get that fight or flight going, if I need to do that, that where I, when I need to like protect myself or protect somebody else, that's the masculine qualities as a little example. Um, and that only comes about as a small proportion of my life. Now it used to be a big proportion of my life because I used to be super masculine. Now I'm not. And then the feminine qualities are our radiance, our magnetism, our flow, our desire to like use our senses. Even as an example, we were booking our, um, our accommodation for, and I just care about like the vibes, the senses, like how it looks. And then he's like, can you check the fucking cancellation policy, Monica? <laughs> and like, I don't even register that. It's like, okay, that's the masculine, for example. And the feminine is like, you know, what does the bed look like? Is there, what's the living situation? Like, I want to look at the spa situation. That's all of us. Like we want to be engaged with our senses. Um, and the feminine is about receptivity. So we are really heart focused. We're really body focused. The feminine lies in our body. The masculine is head energy and it is outwards focusing. It is about that direction, that determination, the going for what we want. Whereas the feminine is the sitting back and the receiving. And so 
as an example of the overdoing it, a lot of women, let's say in business, they are pushing and hustling for what they want, going after what they want all the time. Now you need to go after what you want, what you want. I'm not just saying you line your bed all day and just, you know, say, make it rain and it just rains cash. You need to go after what, what you want hundred percent. But a lot of women only do that and they never allow themselves time to sit back and be in that receptivity. So what happens is opportunities can actually come through the door and because they don't know how to receive, they don't recognize there is an opportunity for them to receive because they think they have to constantly go after the opportunity rather than also allowing it to manifest and come into them. And this isn't like anything woo woo. This is like fucking physics and just like actually how it works. So our radiance also, you know, a lot of women and you would have seen it in Queen Alchemy, a lot of us women have this fear around being seen and our radiance and our beauty and our magnetism. And it's really, it can be really looked down upon, especially in like corporate jobs or if you're in a very quote-unquote smart job let's say medicine um, engineering that kind of stuff um, if you are beautiful and radiant people cannot take you as seriously or your beauty can actually be seen as like a bad thing and then you believe that um, instead of seeing your beauty and your radiance as a really good thing so our feminine radiance and our beauty isn't a really a really amazing thing where you may be wounded in your feminine is if you're like manipulating people with your beauty and your radiance or a wounded feminine would, um, wounded feminine quality would be never having any determination and going after for what, going after what you want and discipline. You did just sit back all day and go, Oh, it'll just come to me. And you're kind of off with the pixies. That's a very wounded feminine, um, kind of trait. Another wounded feminine trait is like having no boundaries, not standing up for yourself, letting people walk all over you that's not being nice. That's actually just a very wounded people pleasing kind of quality. Um, a lot of people think that drawing boundaries is masculine. I don't see drawing boundaries as masculine at all. I see drawing boundaries as someone that has self-worth. That's got nothing to do with feminine or masculine, both the feminine and masculine draw boundaries. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit of an intro into the feminine and masculine. And do you think that men are becoming like less masculine, more feminine women as a whole are becoming more masculine, less feminine. And why yeah, is that? Definitely, definitely as like a generalization, I would say that most women are becoming more, and when I say they're becoming more masculine, it's not that they are actually in their core becoming more masculine. It's that they are only showing those qualities because society deems that as acceptable. And that, that makes you good enough. That makes you smart. That makes you worthy. Um, and as a result, because we are now the ones wearing the pants in the relationship, we're the ones pushing, we're the ones hustling men feel, and this again, a generalization, men feel like where the fuck's my place in society? and it has emasculated in them and so a lot of them are dropping back into this feminine all these feminine qualities because they're like i've tried it doesn't work so why why would i keep trying i'm just gonna fucking sit here and chill the amount of men that will literally be like oh i tried to lead you and you kept shutting me down so i kind of gave up in that department and it's just this it's really funny catch 22 of so many women being like there are no good men out there why don't men know chivalry anymore for example and i'm like um because you don't let them lead. That's the problem. And if you look at it in terms of before, you know, obviously the feminism movement was really important in terms of, um, you know, equality and having women, having like women getting their rights and being able to vote and all that kind of stuff, really important. Um, and I'm not saying that's not important, but what's happened now is that I feel like 
it's not about equality anymore. It's about women always trying to be better than men or like as a generalization. Um, and it almost feels like it's a witch hunt towards men. Just find the crap men, point them all out. They're all terrible. They're all dickheads. And it's not about equality anymore. And frankly, this whole argument of equality is kind of uh, like I've got a question mark over it in my head because we're not equal. Like, like you and I are not equal, Vivian. I am not equal to my sister. We are all so different that the idea that men and women will ever be a hundred percent equal is crazy because we're not going to be. The fact that we have literally, like we have different brains, different amounts of white and gray matter. We're not going to be the same. We don't say that like, you know, humans and monkeys are equal. So why are we saying that men and women are equal? We're, we're literally like kind of different species. So really what we should be focusing on is yes, we all need to have fair pay and the same amount of pay and all that stuff. Of course I'm here for all of that. But, um, you know, we need to also honor that there are roles that men play and there are roles that women play. And by playing to our core roles as like our gender, it actually allows for more harmony in relationships. Now, even if you're in a same-sex relationship, there's because of polarity, there's going to be one of you that generally wears the pants. So she is the, if it's a same sex, two women, for as an example, because most of your listeners would be women. If she wore the pants in the relationship, she would be the more masculine one. And like, that's important because that's what creates polarity. The masculine and feminine is what creates polarity in like our lives. So, you know, um, yeah, a lot of women have become more masculine and they don't want to be, they think a lot of women think they want to be like, it's fulfilling, but it's actually just an adrenaline rush and they, they become addicted to it. But deep down in their core, so many women just want to be like looked after by a man. They still want to work. Yeah. I'm not saying that I want to work, but they want to be able to come home and like be wrapped up in a man's arms. And that's their feminine core desire. They don't want to have all of these stresses and all of this pressure on them all the time. Um, and before, before the feminism movement, men really had a role, right? Like women, women needed men to make the money, to go to work, to protect, to provide, even in the prime, in the caveman days, women would gather, women would look after the community, look after the kids, and they needed men for the food, for hunting, for protection. And now men are like, well, apparently women can do fucking everything. So what's our role in society? So a lot of men feel, and it affects young men's mental health like a lot because a lot of them feel like there's no real place for me in society. And the masculine is all about purpose, all about purpose. We're about love and connection. They're about purpose. And so if they don't feel, and we're seeing it with COVID, right? Like the amount of men that have lost their jobs and then, you know, the suicide rates are astronomical. So many men have lost their purpose. And so essentially they've lost their life already. So there's nothing more to live for is kind of that whole problem there. And they're seeing it in relationships as well of like, well, if the woman's making all the money, looking after the kids, she bought the house, she's organizing everything. She plans all the dates. Then I mean, honestly, where does the man fit in? Like besides the bedroom, but she can even get herself off. So where does he fit in? And so hence men are just becoming more feminine and just like kind of putting their hands up with like whatever, because they don't really know what the fuck to do. And I was so happy when I first came across, I think it was Christina Rice's podcast. I first oh, cool. came on like a few months back and yeah. I was like, oh my God, I need to follow this girl. Cause you're, you were the only one of the only people I heard talking about um, like being also like women's rights and everything, but also understanding that there is that difference. And um, because there's a lot of like men bashing these days and like the feminist yeah. movement, I agree that it's been taken a little bit too far. Um, it and has. we have to respect those differences. So that's really what drew me to you. 
And um, even with the the men mashing and all that kind of stuff, it's like just quick, quick thing. And the next question, um, there's so much female empowerment, which is amazing. I love that there's so much women's empowerment, but where the fuck is the men's empowerment? And what's become damaging is that the female, like the, the women's empowerment, fem, female empowerment at the same time, it is like men's disempowerment. You have to be like so careful. It's so funny when people think that like some like like oh we're advocating for this, so it is really really good. And like it is really good to be advocating for something, but you also have to look at the like the subconscious messaging behind it at the same time. Of well, then the other side is bad. It's like if we really want everyone to be happy, men and women, we should be we should be act act um we should be oh my god, what's the fucking word? Act, activating um advocating we should be advocating for people's mental health for people to be able to do whatever the fuck they want is going to make them happy we should be advocating for like compulsory fucking therapy in schools that's what we should be advocating for um we shouldn't be advocating for like one side over the other and i know that people's intention isn't to do one side over the other but the subconscious underlying um kind of hidden message behind it that people aren't consciously realizing is affecting men. Totally agree. And a big stress for women these days, and my clients definitely, I'm asked about this all the time, is um, stress with relationships and how to communicate better with men, like trying to understand sometimes what they say isn't actually what they mean. So do you have any tips on understanding men a little bit better? Yeah, so... I mean, firstly, we are different fucking species. Like it has taken me sometimes like half an hour to understand what a man is saying to me because I'm like, I'm changing the wording in my head and not even realizing it or what he's doing means something different to me. And then finally, when we get to the root, I'm like, oh, whoa, like that was actually not the amount of times where they've said something and then I've perceived it differently. And they're like, no, no, that's not what I meant. I meant this. I'm like, wow, I did. I fully didn't get that from that. A small example is even if any of your listeners have ever asked for men's advice, like let's say for example, they they have a relationship issue and they go to their best guy friend and they ask them, their best guy friend could say something and you're like, whoa, I never thought of that. That's an example of like our brains are so different. And, um, you know, women, we can actually put pieces together faster in our brain. Hence, if we're having an argument or we're having a discussion with our partner, we can like feel our feelings and know exactly what we want really, really quickly. Whereas a lot of men will be like, I need time to think about this or they say I don't know they actually don't know and they actually need time to think about it because it literally takes them longer in their brain to put all the pieces together so it's really helpful to even you know kind of tell your partner or your boyfriend or whatever um like hey I really want to talk to you about something one have they just had a really big work day and they're exhausted if so don't fucking talk to them do not talk to them in bed like just all round bad ideas when they're really tired after a long work day, they have no brain capacity, just like we don't. Anyone doesn't. You, they have no brain capacity to try and put together a, like a woman's worlds, right? We are a lot more complex in terms of, than what they are. And we, we come to them with all these words and emotions and like often if we're really in our feminine, we'll be like a little bit scattered all over the place and they have to try and piece it together. It's a lot of energy for them. So one, don't talk to them about shit at nighttime if you can avoid it. Two, say to them, hey babe, I really want to ask you about something or I really want to share something with you. Don't say I really want to tell you something if it's a bad thing. I really want to share something with you. 
um, how tired are you? Like, are you free to talk after work? I want to make sure that like you have the energy to like talk about this. Never say, can we talk about something? Or I need to talk to you about something that will immediately bring up all of their trauma and all of this fear and it will immediately kind of put them in the shell of, I need to protect myself and they won't be able to listen and they won't hear you. So you never do that because immediately you're not going to get what you want out of the argument. And then the other thing that's also really helpful is for you to say what you mean, possibly even write it down for them. Like I'm not even joking. It sounds like you're talking to a kid, but it is so helpful to them. And then say to them, like you can go think about it and then tell me about it tomorrow. And for you to do that to them, they would just be like, wow, like there's no pressure on me to answer right now. I can actually digest this and come back with like a good, healed, healthy answer, right? Because also the amount of times men and women will get into like conversations or like discussions or arguments, if you want to call them arguments. And then like the man might say something that he, and then the woman twists the words and he's like, Oh my God, I didn't mean it like that. But he's trying to say things quickly to you because you're going a million miles an hour because the female brain can. And you, it's just asking for more problems. So I'm always an advocate for say what you want to say and then give him space to process. And what also can be really powerful, just not even in terms of men and women, but even just like friends, like your girlfriends and all that kind of stuff is that Sometimes, um, you know, in like this, the healing world, the coaching world, it's always like, you know, if you want to talk about something, always bring it up, always tell the person straight away. Now, yes. And if it's your own wounding and you're triggered by your own shit, it can actually be powerful for you to like take some space and alchemize it yourself and then go to the person. Let's say for example, um, one of your girlfriends, she like, kind of, let's say just, let's use an example that she, what would be an example? Um, that she like cancels on you really last minute. We'll just use that. Cancel on you really last minute and you get really upset and you get really triggered. And it brings up these things of like not being able to trust women. Everyone cancels on me and like blah, blah, blah. Right now. Yes. In that moment, you could say like, Hey babe, this is not acceptable. X, Y, and Z. I'm also here for that for this example. But sometimes it can also be really powerful to just be like, no worries. And then you go and do whatever you need to do to move through that anger and rage and hurt. And then once that's healed and you're like, okay, like that was a me thing. Like she had a, like, let's say for example, she actually had like a major thing she had to go to and she like, she couldn't really get out of it or car accident happened or whatever happened. By you being able to alchemize that yourself, it's really powerful because then you're not constantly projecting your shit onto everybody else. And then you could go to her like two days later and be like, Hey babe, sorry if I was a bit cold when you like sent me that text, just like some shit came up and I actually just like quickly move through that, but we're all good. I hope that your grandma's okay or whatever it is. And it's really important to do that. Otherwise, every time the tiniest things happen in your relationship and you're constantly bringing it up, it can make the other person feel like I don't do anything right. And the reality is your triggers are your triggers to deal with and they're not their problem. Now, triggers are sexy to share, especially really, really big traumas that have happened where the other person needs to know things like, I don't know, don't touch me here or whatever it is. They're obviously really important, but little things all the time can really feel quite nitpicky. And so it's really important that you learn how to also process your own shit and not just project stuff onto him all the time. Because the thing with men is that when you shame a man and tell him he's not good enough, essentially, that doesn't empower him to want to be good enough. So if you say to a woman, like one of your girlfriends, like that was a shit move, babe, 
generally speaking, it will make her go fuck and then want to be a better friend because women biologically, we need the community and the connection for survival. So we are programmed to make sure that basically we're programmed to be more people pleasers essentially than men. Whereas men, they don't need that. So if they don't feel like enough, they're going to be like, she deserves better. I'm not good enough. I'm going to leave because they don't have that same um, primal need of like, I need connection and protection like women do. So really make sure, and even with your sons, for any moms listening, really try and not shame your son because it creates this belief that like women just put men down. Even little examples like, why do you never clean your room? Why don't you unpack the dishwasher? Why do you never help me? Why are you always in trouble? that's shaming instead like swap it to like, Hey, is there something that's stopping you from unpacking the dishwasher? Even to your boyfriend, like, Hey, I really appreciate that you can unpack the dishwasher more. Like, is that possible for you to do? That is way more constructive than why do you never unpack the dishwasher? Because the answer is probably going to be like, I don't know, or I'm busy or like, will you do it? So why do I have to do it? And, and, and then a woman would go, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. And he's like, Oh fuck, I didn't mean it like that. Right. So it's really important for you to be like cautious and not in like an annoying way, but just be aware of your language and also be forgiving when men say like the wrong thing, because they're also trying their best. And a lot of people, um, especially women now that are so like, I'm an independent woman. I don't need no man. They definitely can have the tendency to, um, as soon as a man does something like crosses a boundary, quote unquote, they're like, fuck you. I deserve better. And then they get rid of them per se when it's like, well, actually that was human error. You aren't allowing any room for human error. I used to do this, not allowing any room for human error in the relationship because you're so just like, he should be perfect. Like my man's perfect. And like, I don't need no man. So if he's going to fucking annoy me, like fuck right off. And that's just stupid because I can guarantee you that you would also annoy your boyfriend. So and he doesn't go, fuck you, I deserve a better woman. So, like, same goes the other way. Totally agree. And I love that you gave the example with um, kind of talking to children because if we can start as young as possible, then yeah. that's always going to be the best option for those yeah. moms listening and obviously, like, future parents who are listening as well. Yeah. Um, could you talk about how, like, we're never going to be perfect, you're not going to have a perfect, um, like, be a perfect parent because, mm-hmm. like, the way that we speak is misinterpreted so you could give them the yeah. best life ever but they could still have trauma so could you talk a little bit about mummy and daddy wounding and how that can affect some of our behaviors as adults okay so everyone has mummy and daddy wounding even if you grew up in the perfect household i my parents are still together for example um i did not deal with any um like abuse from my parents we didn't have any major money issues i had a very fortunate upbringing and i still had fuck tons of mommy and daddy issues. So I used to think that like you had to have essentially grown up in poverty or in an abusive household to have issues. And that is not the case. If you have grown up and you are a human, you have issues. Like that's just full stop. I don't care how conscious your parents were. And I, I don't like this trend of people throwing around, like I'm doing conscious parenting, like my kid's going to be perfect. Cause I can tell you right now, no matter how much of a conscious parent you are, whatever you want to fucking call it, your kid, you could say the perfect thing to your kid all the time and they will still misinterpret things. And the misinterpretation is what causes so many mummy and daddy issues. It's not necessarily what you have done as a parent, but it's the misinterpretation. So like I misinterpreted that 
mom showing more emotions and dad being tough and the breadwinner was that men are better than women. That's how I interpreted that. I interpreted emotions and feminine energy is yuck and masculine energy and going to work and making money is amazing. And if I want to be awesome, that's how I have to get it done. You know, I misinterpreted that even, for example, this came up when I was doing like some of my healing and like quite a bit later, I remembered that I used to change um, my favorite color from pink to like any other random color. It would always change because I didn't have another favorite color when I was little because I perceived that pink was girly and girly is lame and princess and not cool. And I wanted to be cool and like cool girl colors were like blue or like lilac or like any other colors essentially not pink, right? Pink was like the lame color, like the girly color. And I didn't want to be a girly girl. So with your mummy and daddy stuff, I mean, there's so many mummy and daddy issues that can come up. Even if you, even if you never knew your biological dad or you grew up in a single person household, it does not matter. You still have the issues. Like if your, if your mum wasn't around, for example, you'll have abandonment wounds towards your mum as an example, but your mum is the perception of the feminine and your dad is the perception of the masculine. So in my case, my dad was the breadwinner. He was out working. He was the high achiever. He's a Leo. We get along very well because I'm a Sag. We're both just like fucking fiery. My mum's a cancer. And so she's more watery. So we clash a little bit more because I'm quite like feisty, especially when we're, when, when we're in a situation together. Um, and so I always just was daddy's little girl. And um, I perceived, I actually perceived that like dad was better than mum, which is so horrible to say, but it was just what, you know, I don't actually mean that as the truth by any means. Um, but that's how I perceived it when I was younger. And so I wanted to be like dad and I didn't want to be like mum. So I perceived the masculine as better and the feminine as weak. And that was kind of my beginning point, right? Of the feminine is weak. And then you obviously get proven by that in society. It's in movies, in the media, it's in, even at school, it's like you want to be one of the boys and that continues to affirm that being quote unquote girly when you're younger is weaker and lamer and bad and being more cool and feisty and masculine and, you know, a hashtag girl boss in a very masculine way. Um, and being a hustler is good. I mean, you look at the word hustle, hustle is worn as a badge of honor. Being busy is worn as a badge of honor. Sometimes fucking burnout is honestly worn as a badge of honor. Cause it's like, Oh, well you worked hard enough then to burn out. And I used to do that. I used to see, you know, working on the weekends and being exhausted and being up at 2am doing work, I saw that as a badge of honor and that I was doing enough and I was successful enough. And I saw that as succeeding in my business. The harder I worked, the more exhausted I was, the better I was doing. And really all that I wanted was daddy's validation. That's all I wanted was his validation um, because I got so much validation from my mum. So you then like, basically that's just an example of how mommy and daddy stuff can happen. But you know, the other extreme can also be that if your mom was really, really masculine and she was always putting your dad down and she didn't give you a lot of love, you're like, Oh, well, I don't want to be that either. So whatever your mom, whatever you don't want to be, you won't be. And whenever you want to be, you will be basically from your parents. Um, and whoever, generally speaking, whoever didn't give you the most amount of love and attention you'll want their love and attention. So my dad was always away working. So I wanted his love and attention more than I wanted mom's because mom was always around, always giving it to me. 
like mommy and daddy issues, honestly, there's so many different examples, but some of the most common examples is that like body confidence issues from mom or from dad, um, money issues as well. They'll be in mommy and daddy things, um, issues around self-confidence, self-belief, um, worthy enough. Am I good enough? Am I too much? Um, am I like too loud? Um, unconditional love slash conditional love. They come from parent stuff. Um, you feeling like you need to always achieve more and more and more perfectionism. They're all examples of things. I mean, everything comes from your mom and your dad and they're examples of things that will start from mom and dad. And they'll generally be reaffirmed by like the media, what you're exposed to. And then anything that proves to you your belief that will solidify your belief. So if you get more attention when you're sick, for example, that solidifies the belief that like, if something is wrong with me, I get more love. But if I'm whole, complete and good, then I get less love. A lot of people actually have a lot of fear around getting rid of their depression or their anxiety or their trauma because it's become their identity and they got so much love and attention from being you know, from that version of themselves. So the idea of like not having something to complain about makes them feel like people are going to love them less, which isn't true, but you can really, you can see how it's definitely like a thing. And, um, like I, I validate those people's experiences, but I also want to say not, but, and I also want to say that you can be perfect, complete and whole and free of all your trauma and people will still love you just as equally. I've had to bring that conversation up with a few of my clients. I do work with yeah. some people who are like quite chronically sick um, mm. and maybe they've had to rely on their parents. They've had to live at home. They've missed out on kind of career opportunities and going to university and things. And I have to tell them like we've gotten so far with your nutrition and your lifestyle and these supplements. But in order to get to the next level, like I sometimes ask, do you actually believe that you're capable of getting better? And if they say no, then that's probably going to, and manifest they're never going to be able to break free from that and um, so totally. I totally agree with like the energy side of things so again if anyone's listening and the doing quote all the right things but are still symptomatic in any way then it could be linked to energy and I strongly suggest looking into either one of Monica's courses or some somatic type therapies do you love coffee but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS, and period problems. Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides, which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold-free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores? Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, the ratio can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. 
It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics, the regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. Um, you mentioned trauma before, and when yeah. people think of trauma, they think of like abuse or neglect or rape or anything like that, obviously an extreme versions, but there is this kind of trauma, um, like different degrees of severity. So could you give some examples of like less serious trauma, but how they can affect our bodies and then on more of the sexual side of things, how trauma can therefore lead to period problems or infertility, yeah. endometriosis and pain. Okay, cool. So yeah, a lot of people think, me included, I used to think this, that you have to have had major trauma in order for you to have trauma, but you could be, you know, some examples of minor trauma. And I know I showed you guys this and so many of you in after the call were like, fuck, I like didn't, I, like this makes so much sense. I didn't think that I had that much trauma, but actually I have a fuck ton of minor trauma. So like I need to work on all that because it's still trauma and it is true. So examples of minor trauma can be things like um, getting lost in the supermarket, uh, mum saying no to you, you getting, you know, a C on your grades, um, you know, uh, you, uh, mum and dad leaving you one night to go out on a date with a babysitter. They're all little examples of like minor trauma. You, um, uh, what's another one? Like going up the scales, like a minor car accident, um, you know, being afraid of the dark, watching a scary movie. They're all examples of minor traumas and then bigger traumas as we go up are things like parents getting divorced, um, what are some other ones? Any like car accidents, any, any surgeries that weren't like really, really intense surgeries, but still surgeries, you know, going and having surgeries, fucking traumatic, like waking up and being kind of out of it. And just, you knowing that your body was flat out for like two hours or whatever. And you have no recollection of those two hours of your life. That's quite traumatic for a lot of people as well. Um, you know, even things like getting pap smears, that's traumatic. The first time that you have your period, if it, if it, if it, if it isn't celebrated, that can be traumatic. And even if it is celebrated, society doesn't celebrate it per se. So it can be traumatic for you. Like when I got my period, it was traumatic for me because I was like, ew, but my mom was obviously celebrating it. It's really interesting though. Cause then my sister, my younger sister, she's obviously grown up with my influence of doing all the stuff around my period, around periods. And, um, she threw a, they threw a period party. I was living at home, but they threw a period party for my sister. And like her period was amazing from the get go because it was so heavily celebrated. Um, so, and then going up the scale, you've got things like growing up in poverty, rape, any sexual abuse, any really bad physical accidents that caused like you being in hospital or anything like that, like any near death experiences, seeing anybody else die, um, you know, even sisterhood wounding can be really major bullying, can be severe trauma, and it can also be a more minor trauma. It also depends again how you perceive the trauma, 
will make a big difference to loss of relatives, you know, losing a grandma, losing a parent there can, they can be big or little traumas depending on your relationship with the person. That's kind of some of the examples. So like you, you know, getting lost in the fucking, you know, when you were little and you would lose your mom for a split second in the supermarket and it would freak you out that's traumatic. That puts you in that fight or flight. Um, and that's a trauma. So what was the rest of your question? I forgot. So specifically with like sexual trauma or oh, yeah. suppression in that area, how that could manifest as like um, ovarian cysts, endometriosis, PCOS. Yeah. Okay, cool. So when you have sexual trauma, any kind of trauma that basically with animals, when they have, when they go through a traumatic experience, let's say like it's a running away from a predator, they will start shaking. And some of you guys might, might have seen this with your dogs, like something really scary happens and they shake. Now what they're doing with the shaking is they're actually releasing their trauma. So they'll continue to shake until they stop shaking and then they move on with their lives. Us humans, if we get into something really traumatic, like a car accident or anything, always say something terrible, we'll start shaking too. And a lot of us will grab each other and hug the person to get them to stop shaking. And we sometimes even say like, stop shaking, like you're okay. And what that does is, and I'm not saying don't hug people at all because you want to make them feel safe. Don't just stand there and be like, oh, keep shaking, I'm here. Like, no, you can hug them. Um, but what, what that actually does is it actually... Uh, blocks you and keeps you stuck in the trauma cycle. So then let's use rape for example, right? You get raped because that happens actually a lot. Like so many of us have gotten raped. Some of us have gotten like raped in really horrible situations. Some of us have gotten raped in, you know, our own beds at home um, with a guy that we knew, you know, anyway. So whatever the situation is, when you're having a traumatic experience like that, you might freeze, you might go into fight or flight and start shaking, or you might disassociate and completely tap out. The bottom line is the chance of you finishing your trauma cycle in that is pretty much zero in our, um, in our modern society. And so you lock that trauma in your body, like energetically, and this isn't woo woo. This is fucking legit shit. Um, and so what then happens is something could trigger you. Let's say for example, your boyfriend touches you around the neck or on your back or on your arm in a certain position, um, or the scent of something like you smell his, like you smell someone's, um, you know, cologne, it's the same cologne of the guy that raped you, for example, that can then be a trigger and it will cause your body's emotions to start to rise. And you may start to shake. You may have a flashback. You may feel paralyzed. You may get really hot or really cold. You may start crying, whatever it is. And you can't really explain it to someone, or you may just shut down and like tap out. That's your body getting triggered. Now, what we then do is we then often, you know, cope with our trauma by like overeating, overexercising, undereating, trying to control something else, um, you know, uh, like drinking, self-harm, disassociation, telling ourselves we're fine, whatever it is. We, we think that we've got it under control and then we just keep getting triggered and it keeps happening. So when you're then, when, when I'm talking about with like clearing your trauma, it means that you get out of the trauma cycle because with sexual trauma, for example, that energy will be stuck in your body and it will be stuck in your womb and generally your heart as well sometimes and in your cervix and the walls of your vagina. So when you're getting raped as a general, um, like a generalization, your body will contract and you'll close off and you'll try and like stop it, right? Even whether, whether you freeze or disassociate, because your body doesn't want it, it will actually cause your muscles to contract and get really tense. And it will then cause your muscles to be really tight. And that's why people get pain when they're having sex, for example. This is all, by the way, for everyone listening, I'm using general examples and it can be different for everybody. Um, and then you get pain when you are having sex. Now, just like if we were to be on our laptops all day and we get all that tightness in our shoulders, 
you know, that feels painful and we get a massage and it can really hurt to get it out. But then once we've had the massage, we feel free and open again. The same thing is for the walls of our vagina and in our womb and our ovaries and all that kind of stuff. So the energy will then be trapped in your womb and your ovaries. It can affect your relationship to the feminine of like, I'm not safe as a woman, for example, can be a really, really common one. I'm not safe in my feminine. I'm not safe to let go. I need to now be a control freak and be in my head all the time and be on high alert. And it will put you in this fight or flight, which can cause a cascade of obviously your adrenals, your cortisol going through the fucking roof. So your adrenals start struggling and that can shut down your communication pathway between your brain and your ovaries affecting your cycle. It will upregulate your inflammation that will affect endo. It can totally disrupt your gut, for example, because your body doesn't feel safe and the energy of safety lies in your stomach and your gut and you need your gut um, your your bacteria in your gut to be on fucking point for your body to actually eliminate the the estrogen that's been metabolized by your liver so then if that's not happening your estrogen can get reabsorbed in your bloodstream causing you know estrogen dominance and then that will feed any um, endometrial tissue is in your body or it will feed pcos or it will cause ovarian cysts um, and so the energetic component component will then cascade everything else hormonally in your physical body and it can also just cause you to have trapped energy and trauma in your ovaries and in your womb um, and that will often then show as like you've done everything to lower your cortisol you've done everything for your gut x y and z and nothing is st and still shit's not working and that's when you know it's an energy thing in your body so i've had clients that have like literally tried fucking everything and then we clear like mother wounds out of their ovaries, for example. And when I say we clear it, I don't clear it. I, and you know this, Vivian, I guide you to do it like yourself. And I like tell you what to do in X, Y, and Z. Um, and you then, like I've had clients that would then like release mum stuff or dad stuff from their ovaries and their mum's belief around periods and pain and all that kind of stuff. And then we've released past lovers and anger towards past lovers. And then that totally eliminates their period issues. So, I mean, it can really go in so many directions in terms of the energy side of thing, it, it, things that can, you know, fuck your adrenals by the, the trauma of it, which will then cause the cascade of like insulin resistance, inflammation, adrenal fatigue, all that kind of stuff, causing PCOS, endo, and every, every other period issue. Or it can just be simply that your, the energy and the trauma is locked in your body energetically. And that is causing your body to be like i'm not okay and that will then cause period issues as well because if you don't feel safe in your feminine your body won't feel safe in your feminine and therefore your period will either go m i fucking a because your period is the essence of your feminine or your period will try and communicate to you like we need to get rid of something because every time you're bleeding you're trying to release something and so your blood tells you a lot energetically as well as physically yeah, the female body is constantly thinking of reproduction, even if you don't want to kid now or ever. That's every month, that's what the menstrual cycle is designed exactly. for. So, if you're in chronic fight and flight mode, then your menstrual cycle is obviously going to be out of whack. Would you describe what you do as somatic therapy? Because I'm sure people have like maybe tried talk therapy before, CBT. Like, why is that not? And I've seen that as well. Sometimes it makes them worse, sometimes you're just like repeating the same thing and not actually overcoming the trauma. 
Yeah. So what I kind of say is like, look, talking about your trauma is a really great thing. Um, a lot of people like, because it can help them to, you know, feel a bit better about then explaining it to me, for example, or then going into it and clearing it out of their body. Um, some people, you know, they do Reiki and that really helps them. The bottom line is that trauma is held in your body. Memories are held in your brain. Like you can also hold memories in your body, that's the trauma. So with my work, it's not just about, you know, holding my hands over your body and, and clearing it via Reiki because that doesn't involve your brain. So you're, you're, so the power in how I do this work is that I'm involving your brain, understanding what we are letting go of, and I'm involving your body at the same time. So what that then means is your brain is shifting the memory and your body is letting go of it at the same time. When you just go to Reiki, for example, um, your mind isn't involved in it. You don't know what you're letting go of per se. You're not rewiring the memories on your brain. So you might feel great for a week and then something triggers you again, triggers a memory, and then you re-traumatize yourself via the memory because your brain gets scared and it sends that message down through your nervous system. Then you've got things like talk therapy where it's like, that's great, but you don't hold the trauma in your body. Like There's no trauma release in talking about it. And you can just put yourself in these perpetual cycles and it can be really frustrating for some people because they're like, okay, well, I understand my trauma, but I can't get rid of the triggers. And also, I don't know, personally, how exhausting is it to constantly be self-aware? Like, oh, that's a daddy issue. Love my inner child. Oh, that's because of my, you know, that's because I got sexually assaulted. Let's love that past version of myself. What's like, how fucking annoying to constantly have to remind yourself of that all the time. Now, I'm not saying that like, I just flick a switch and it's all gone. There are things that you have to slowly rewire your brain about a million percent and it takes time. But when it comes to deep trauma being stored in your body, to constantly have to like bring yourself back to safety like all the fucking time is actually exhausting and really frustrating because it kind of makes people feel super broken because they can't get fixed and they have to just live with it. And trauma is not something that you have to just live with. You don't have to, I don't like it it hurts me. Like it actually makes me feel upset for people when they constantly are talking about their trauma and they just have to live with it. That's something they just have to live with. Now you don't need to like, yes, you will have the memory there, but you don't need to live with constantly being triggered by it. Now there obviously are some fucking extreme examples where it's a whole different kind of piece of cake. But when we're talking about, you know, unworthiness, rape, seeing someone die, having your death experiences, whatever, you don't need to live with that for the rest of your life. You do not need to constantly be triggered by that. The memory will stay there, but you won't get triggered by it. So you can think about the time that you were raped, for example. You could think about the time that your dad hit you or your mom hit you, but you'd be like, oh, like you'd be neutral to it. And that then means that you're not constantly putting your body in this stressed out state because every time you get triggered, you re-traumatize your body as though the trauma is happening Again, so my work I would describe as yes, we're doing somatic stuff, which is body work, but we're also reprogramming your mind and your understanding where it all came from. And there's power in that because some people, I'm one of those people where as soon as I understand something, I can let go of something really quickly. So I kind of believe like the magic trio, I guess, is I never really thought about this, but the magic trio, I guess, is like understanding what happened and whatnot. Um, reprogramming your mind and the memory and then also clearing it from your body and allowing yourself to release shit that you didn't get to release at that time when the thing happened. Um, I was going to say something as well, read the, the, oh yeah, something else I want to say is that with talk therapy, what can be 
really unbeneficial to people's trauma is that it requires you to remember the memory. And some people that have really hectic trauma, you won't remember the memory, but you can feel the trauma in your body or you can feel the trigger. And so when I'm doing stuff with clients, I'm like, you don't need to remember every detail. You don't need to know what he looked like. You don't need to know what time of the year it was. I just want you to feel it again, if possible. That's all I need you to do. I need you to feel sensations in your body and we can get rid of them. You don't need to know even where the sensations have come from. You don't need to even know why you get triggered by a certain thing. I don't, I don't mind if you don't know why. That's not important. What's important is us getting rid of the energy and the trigger uh, and that physical response in your body. Yeah, you could be sat on the sofa like zen zen background like not at work chilled out and in your mind you could be thinking about that trauma and it still come up physically so the body the brain is like so powerful and you give like the best of both worlds so like the mind work um, but also the body work and that's why it is so powerful and i'll just give an overview of why i decided to do the queen alchemy oh, yeah. um, just in case it's useful for everyone else because i also had an amazing childhood parents still together like no money issues really um but with my history of dealing with chronic illness um from probably age 17 um, and I'm 26 now for reference I just felt very like suppressed sexually I never kind of went to university and date and kind of go out with guys around that time so I felt like my Hormones were being affected, obviously, because of like mold and Lyme disease and all of that, like physical stuff. But I'd got to the place where my health was pretty good physically, my gut was healed, my liver was working better, but I still felt like there was this missing link. So that's why I enrolled in Queen Alchemy. But even looking at the Facebook group that we're all in, like today, someone posted my periods, like the best period I've ever had. Um, I've come off the IUD and I'm ovulating again like crazy, unbelievable things. I'm really glad that I came across your work. And Yay. I want you to share some of your favorite because there's like tons and I um, don't want to spoil okay. the whole course because I want other people to do it. But some of your favorite tips for reconnecting back to our feminine and starting to love our cycle, our period, our bodies a bit more. Okay. So I would say with period stuff, firstly, with like loving your cycle again, and that also helps with connecting back to your feminine is understanding it properly because it will help you to see the magic in it. Cause at school, the reason why like so many of us are like, we hate our cycle is that at school we have like one sex ed class and it just instills fear in you around your cycle a lot of the time our mum wasn't educated about it and so she kind of puts the fear on us of like oh it, you know it's gonna have lots of pain it's just part of being a woman our friends around us if they all had painful cycles it's really normalized shitty periods are really normalized in society and they're not normal they're common so for me when i started to actually learn about my cycle properly when i learned about the different phases of the cycle that's when my mind was blown when i understood that like you know you're a better communicator when you're ovulating and you know you should be working out like um not as not as intensely when you're in your luteal phase because of the way that your cortisol levels are and all this kind of stuff i was blown away that we could like literally have these powers to use to our advantage that men didn't have. I thought it was fucking awesome. So I would say actually understanding your cycle is the education and the knowledge is so powerful, so empowering, so healing, and it makes you so excited to be a woman and to like live in accordance with your cycle essentially. And I'm not a Nazi about living in accordance with my cycle, but I do follow it and it 
has been a game changer for me. Um, and then I would say, I always say with the feminine and connecting back to that is if you don't feel safe in your feminine, that's where you need to start. And a lot of the time you actually need to start with safety around the masculine because the masculine is that safety net for the feminine to flourish. And so if you don't feel safe around men, if you haven't healed your daddy stuff, if you haven't healed the trauma that you've had around men, there's no way in fucking hell that you are going to be embodied in your feminine until you actually feel safe in the energy of the masculine because the feminine needs the masculine in order to thrive. Um, so I would say, actually, it sounds counterintuitive, but it works better. You need to heal your masculine side of things and heal all those inner child stuff things before you go into the feminine. I mean, you see it in Queen Alchemy, the kind of journey we've gone on is like so much releasing and healing and whatever before we got into the, you know, sensual eating and like the lap dancing and all that kind of stuff and all the really fun, like what turns you on we did so much of the healing work beforehand because if you don't do that, you're literally just going to re-traumatize yourself with trying to be like sexual and turned on. You're just going to feel really scared in your body doing that. And that's going to instill more fear around your sensuality and femininity and radiance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there is a method behind it. You can't just jump straight into the yoni eggs and the cervix. No, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Um, so I want to finish up with just a few more questions for you personally. So the first one is what's one thing that you couldn't live without? Well, I would probably say now my little puppy jelly, um, because he's the light of my life. I would probably, yeah, I'd probably say it'd be jelly. Yeah. yeah that's good for your hormones. That oxytocin release. Oh, seriously. <laughs> no, but like, I don't know whether you read my article about like vitamin D as in vitamin dog in, <laughs> un, un, in the, in my magazine I edited, but, um, I literally like we pulled studies and there's studies done showing that dog owners have lower levels of serotonin of, of, of um, cortisol mm-hmm. and higher levels of oxytocin. And I felt that as soon as I got him, I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders with all this lockdown COVID bullshit. I, I honestly felt like my stress levels just totally diminished because I had him around. Like he's a game changer. One of the best things to get you into that feminine nurturing exactly. role. Yes. I'm thinking about getting a dog. You're really do it, me. do it. <laughs> Although it's been a bitch to yeah. organize the travel stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's been the hardest and like such a headache, but it's all worth it because when he's in his little snow jacket, like holy fuck, <laughs> that little red coat he was so cute. Is there a book that you want to recommend? So to sum up kind of everything, either periods or um, emotional, energetic, femininity. Um, I would two really good books to begin with to learn things are um, Pussy by Total Mind Blank. Mama Gina is Pussy is who it's by. I'm very sure it's by Mama Gina. If it's not, any of her books are also really good. Yeah, okay, thanks. And then um, the other book that also is really good is... Um, it's by Alyssa Vivi and I'm going to say it's called woman code, woman code there. Those two books were like some of the intro books. I remember reading them and, um, they're really good kind of basic books to get people into and like open their eyes to everything. Perfect. What's one thing that you do daily to stay in hormonal harmony? Oh, I, I am very cautious of my stress levels. I would probably say that. So um, I am quite fiery, so I can get stressed pretty easily or just like I can, my body can release um, adrenaline pretty easily. Honestly, through my fucking work, I get like too excited sometimes. So I will just make sure that 
I am like supporting my health at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day with supplements, with what I'm eating, with meditation, that kind of stuff. That's probably what I am always the most cautious of with my hormones. And the fact that you love your work and sometimes it lights you up. So it's not like you're going to a job and working 12 hour days and you absolutely hate it. So I think that's a positive as well. You can reframe that stress as being a good, exciting type. That makes a huge difference to your adrenals. Perfect. Totally. And then last question is where can people find more from you online? So social media, your podcast and the courses um, that you're currently running. Um, okay. So Instagram is Monica Yates health website is Monica Yates.com.au. So like for Australia, even though I'm not an Australian company anymore, I haven't changed it. Um, and then podcast is feminine as fuck programs are currently running. People could do the, your perfect period program. So that's all about fixing your physical body for your period, um, and understanding everything in relation to your cycle and whatnot. And then another, the new program that I'm watching, which I'm so fucking excited about is called be a lover, not a mother. And it's all about how to stop emasculating men. And that's going to be just like a little mini kind of program four weeks. Um, that will be that. And if you're listening to it later on, once that's done, you can just you can still buy it. It'll just be pre-recorded, not a live round. Um, and then Queen Alchemy is the course that you've done, Vivian. And that's like my deep trauma, energy, all that kind of stuff. Seven weeks. There's a lot of stuff, but it's really juicy. That's that program. Um, they're the main ones. I mean, everything's on, everything's on my website. So I think people can just go there and kind of have a bit of a look around. Or they can message me. That I always say, if you don't know, just if you email Sarah... Um, just email hello at monarchy8s.com.au, tell her your problems and what you want to work on. And then she'll be able to tell you what the best programs are. And then you can go and read them. So if you just, I have so many programs, if you're overwhelmed, just email her and then she will direct you in the right place. Yeah. There's going to be something for everyone, regardless yeah, of what your is. problem is. Literally <laughs> you're just like nonstop producing all of this stuff, but I can correct. Passion, it lights you up and that's like inspiring to me. I'm just like sold anything you'd put out now. I'm like, I need it. <laughs> Yay, you're so glad. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. And I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be wanting to um, work with you after this. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone-friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review. And I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain, and refined sugar-free recipes, and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health, as I share a ton of free content every day, and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk, for my blog and many free guides, which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss, or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrollment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.